Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Episode 118. Can you leave that in? I love it. <laughs> Done. Action. Action. Uh, Prince Philip. Oh, I've been sitting on that for a little while. Right? Mm. Yes, go ahead. I love the royals. Mm. Is that bad? No. No, it's wonderful. I feel like people are disappointed sometimes when you say you love the royals. No, I love them. Are there any of them that you don't love? We know which one you don't love, Dee Dee. Mm. Who don't you love? You go first. I think you've said it before on the podcast. I'm not going to say anything about the little... Okay, don't the, say the anything. Devil. The devil. <laughs> okay, don't say anything and I'll just talk about how I love the royals. Okay, because I love them too. Because I have... Yes, I have feelings about some of them, but I won't say. Well, mm. No, I want to hear your feelings. Which okay, ones? hold on, wait. Hang on, let's go through it. Who's your favourite? The Queen. Yes. Mm. Number two? Mm. Kate, Kate. Kate. I love Kate. You like, she's so elegant, isn't yes. she? She's really elegant. And when she was at the funeral, that she just was ever so subtly, well, not subtly, but she she she's was, because there was going to be that awkwardness she? between Harry and I know, William. she dropped back. Well, she dropped back, but Hold she on, also wait. talked to Harry. She's just sort of gently sort of broke it a little, <laughs> made it easier between them. What is wrong? Why are you holding your head in your hands? So we, I know that everyone knew that he was going to die. But yeah. I was still mortified yeah. when he did die. Mm. And I would not shut the fuck up about it in the newsroom to the point where I think my producers were like, what is your deal? I was like, where is Prince Philip's death in the bulletin? Like, obviously, yeah. it was lead yeah. all the time. Okay, well, I need to go back through, again. Hang on, hang on. So, so yes, football. It came through late at night. Yes, football. football. So, Nico and I were watching the football. Yep. Yep. It was perfect timing to his death somehow. <laughs> Goes to half time. Goes oh. into the ad break yes, on the network I work for. Up pops our Europe correspondent in a black suit. Can I say, well done, Hugh. Good stuff. Announces the death. Mm-hmm. I was screaming. <laughs> Nico, ignoring me. Oh. No, he's on his phone looking at shit. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're wailing. Yeah, yeah, wailing, right? We play it, the... It, well, excuse me, Nico, but it warranted that level Thank of reaction. You. I, Thank Bonnie you. and I had actually gone to bed. Kieran was up in Coffs Harbour playing golf. Yes. We both just hopped into bed. And yes. Then I, and then I hear footsteps come running down the hallway. Yes. Because she takes her phone up to bed. I don't. And she said, yeah. oh, Prince Philip's died. died. That's a millennial. Right. Cared. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So then we played the obit. Because mm-hmm. networks and radio stations have pre-prepared obits. If, mm. if we think someone's on the out, we get repaired. Yeah, that I think I've said that on this podcast before. One of my first jobs in television was to collect vision of people at significant moments and kind of compile them. Yeah, and so that if someone died, we could pull that compile up really yeah. quickly and we'd have all the picks ready to go. Yeah, um, played the obit. Three minutes into the obit, Nico lazily looks up from his phone and says, I think someone's died. Go oh, get and with I the was program, like, mate, mate. The guy on the TV that I've just been yelling about has died. Mm. Anyway, I was losing my mind. Obviously, it led the bulletins. In the days after when it started to slip down the bulletin before the funeral had happened, I was like, where is it going to sit? What's happening? <laughs> they were like, can you shut up about it? I was like, I cannot. It needs to be higher. Why is my story higher than Prince Philip? Bring him up. Bring him up. 
Um, and I was ready for the funeral. Like I knew that there was going to be coverage from 10.30. I knew I wanted to watch the one that had the proper UK coverage. Yep. And I was there with my blanket and my tea and I watched the whole funeral from start to finish. Oh, because it was in the middle of the night. Yeah, it started at 10.30, went Gee, through to 1.30. That's commitment. Mm, yeah, I watched impressed. the whole thing. And can I say, Nico was yelling at me because he was like, they've been practising for years. And I was like, no, they practised for one week. And I know these people march all the time like yep. soldiers and things yep. but it was just perfect not one person put a foot out of place i was so impressed and don't the british do a good uniform wow yeah. there was spe- the, everyone the the bagpiper yes and his calf muscles everything was shiny the pointy toes yes yes shiny yes. furry red Right. Gold. The horses were there. The horses were shiny. Everything, everyone. Yes. Mm. And this is why I love the royals because it's all about tradition. It is. And I think with Prince Philip, because most people, all the reporting on Prince Philip has always been, oh, he said something silly about someone with a spear or something. Yes. Look, he was a little racist. I don't think he was, and and that that's particular one where he made a comment about spears. When when you see yes. what he said in context of what was being said at the time, yes. he it was two old blokes. He was talking to an old bloke at the time. They're yes. having a bit of banter. Maybe, a bit there was politically no incorrect, racism. maybe, but that's yes. just the, you know. Yes, I'm happy to excuse that. Okay, in his particular case, but. Um, when the coverage started mm. of the death, I think a lot of younger people were able to see, well, look, he wasn't just a silly old man who made mistakes. Mm. No, it was I think a beautiful he played a very love vibe. story. Yes, there was, was a, dedication, yes. there was tradition, there was all the things that are missing from the world at the moment yes. were there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and very then the, sad. The, I think I posted this online because it just struck my heart. Um, the Queen had previously said, and not in direct relation to Prince Philip dying, but she had said, grief is the price that you pay for love yes yeah you did oh, post that it really you were tore my heart peak, i was posting you were mm. peak posting on yeah. insta there was a I, lot of stuff because the queen i just love her and people and this is what gets me as well i'm gonna get a little bit feminist here people go oh i don't like the royals oh, i don't like the queen blah, blah blah and i say do you know the queen was one of the first women in power like that, that took a really you know mm. Stepped in after her dad passed away and yeah. dealt with prime ministers and politicians and really held her own. And I just feel like even if you hate the royals, you have to acknowledge that position that she was in. Admire her. And that yes. she's still in. Yes, still is. And all yeah. the things and the shit she's had to deal right? with. So Could you imagine? I, I do have residual anger for the um, the her, who shall not be named. Okay, yes. For just making Prince Philip's final weeks and do it allowing that interview to air. Yes. When he they knew he wasn't well. They knew he wasn't like, well, correct. He had to leave this earth with that fresh in his mind. Yeah. With all the, the shit and the family mess. Yes. That, that that really annoyed me. Um but did you hear that Prince Philip's body, they haven't buried it. I know. They're like keeping it somewhere it's in the vault and he's a little do you think a little bit of the morning because yes he was you know wonderful and it was a great love story yes but do you think we're all kind of like dress rehearsing in our minds oh my god how are we going to be when the queen goes i can't even deal mm. it's too much i don't it? know if we've spoken about it before but if you google queen's death protocols <gasps> they're on the internet there are certain things that have to happen so the bbc has to be the first to announce mm. her death they have to announce it, no one else. Um, and as we saw with Prince Philip, and you can Google this as well, there were TV uh, presenters who 
there's one woman in particular who they obviously have to break the news and I think she was BBC. Mm. She's wearing a purple top and she says, uh, you know, the shows that everyone's watching fade to black. She comes up and she starts announcing it. They start overlay, which is putting vision over her as she talks Mm. and she keeps talking while putting black clothes on. So comes back after the overlay disappears and she is in black. That is yeah. a very elite level presenting. Right. And this is the kind of things that people have to do, yeah. will have to do with the Queen. Wow. So much has to happen with the Queen. It's going to be extraordinary. I can't even think. You can absolutely Google it all. And television stations and, and radio stations would have <gasps> full cope. things yeah. ready to How go long do you to think read. She'll last? I don't know. Well, we touched on sort of, you know, how heartbreak can sort of cause you to... Oh, I know. I think that's so true. Heartbreak can absolutely um, increase the speed at which you die. It's a thing. That's not the right way to say it, it, but you know what I mean. It's broken heart syndrome. It actually damages your heart when you have an emotional I think that is so true. Yeah. Well, they've just invented... We actually, Mm. Kirsten and I covered it on the show. Mm. There's uh, Monash university researchers have found a drug that can treat the broken Broken heart heart. yeah and she did look i thought when she got out of that car at the funeral she looked really frail and i don't think Mm -hmm. we've seen her look like that before in my opinion she's so conscious of her posture yes and upright and she wasn't as upright as she usually is a bit wasn't she yeah I just think how sad, and you saw it in the crown, you know, like you don't sort of imagine the queen getting into bed on her own, because that's when I have my sad times, you know, if you go to bed at night and just Mm. before you fall asleep, that's when everything comes to you. I know. Mm. All right, shall we jump on in? We should. Have you got all your Philip out of your... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just thinking. We've done favourite, least favourite. But who he's in your, the vault now. Who was your second? Yes, they'll hold him there until And they she. hold him until she goes and then they get buried together. Who was your second favourite? Um, I do I do like Harry. Yeah, I like Harry too. And I have a yeah. real um, sympathetic position for him given, you know, like you'll ne- never be king. Like nephew yeah. would be king before him. Yeah. I wouldn't um, mind him manning up a little bit and standing up to her i know but i can't i can't if she was if there was racism involved then i'm not okay with no, that there wasn't there but absolutely how, you don't wasn't. think no. so no if someone's having a baby all right i married a freckly redhead you did everyone's what color do you reckon the baby's coming out is it going to come out a freckly redhead that's the conversation families have. Is it going to have blue eyes, brown eyes? Do you reckon? Now, not only have they denied that it was actually said, yep. but if there was a conversation of what do you think the baby's going to look like and why wouldn't you be having that conversation when you've got a freckly red-headed dad? Oh, you think it was like a, a light-hearted a conversation. And for the record, I, uh, it's probably wrong, but I, I didn't actually know she was black until she told us. But regardless of that, that's what she, do you mean? To me, well, to me, she's just a, well because she's. Oh, you didn't take it. Is into... not, her complexion is not dark. Yes, she has dark hair. But I think in any couple where the couple have completely different features, you're going to have that conversation. Is the baby going to have this? Is it going to have that? Is it going to have thick hair like its dad or its mum? Yeah. Or is it going to have a big nose like that's? I know. Conversation. I don't feel that like. I can't believe Harry lives in LA. It feels weird. It mm. does feel weird. It's strange, yeah. isn't it? I wonder if yeah. he feels it's strange because he's lived. Like, I wonder when he walked back into the palace for this funeral if he was like, 
holy shit, this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. If it felt more like home than LA for him, like well, the casual, where... laid back, chill out vibes of LA, if it if it's strange to him. Well, it might be, but that's where I'm saying Kate was really good because it mm. would, the whole situation would have been very awkward for him. And yes. I gather it was a little bit frosty. Um, she was sort of smoothing yeah, things, things over. All right. Well, we all know uh, Simon Owen. So Simon helped us on the pod one yes. day. He works at the radio station with Kirst and I, and he's a big fan of the pod. And he sent an email, and I've been sitting on it for a while, actually, back in February. But anyway, it was when we were still in lockdown here in Melbourne. Uh, and it says, I have to tell you what just happened. Oh. I was driving home after doing my Saturday night show, listening to another podcast. Rude. I should probably have just deleted the email at that point. Mm. How dare you, yeah. Simon? Yeah, I'm not sure else. why you continued, but How okay. How dare you have your own mind of what you're going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, which was telling the story of the Lockhart shipwreck. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting story, but they didn't go too deeply into it. So I pulled over about two minutes from home to email you to suggest it for your potty. Then a car pulled up behind me and just sat there, lights on, not moving. That's creepy. I hate that. Then I realised we're in lockdown. No one else is on the road and I'm in a car at 1.50am. So suspicious looking. What? The car behind me was a police car. Oh. So I put the phone away, indicated and pulled out and slowly drove away, fully expecting the blue and red lights to come on. But they must have done an ID check and realised I live just around the corner, so they let me go and went off in their own direction. Now I'm parked safely in my driveway sending this email and I sort of wish they had dragged me from my car to interrogate me. <laughs> that way it would have been a much more interesting end to the story. Uh, all of that because I love your podcast and wanted to share an idea. Cheers, Simon. Uh, and then his peer says, when can we get nice things, nice things t-shirts? Simon, we barely have the time to actually do the podcast. <laughs> get your own t-shirt. Look, I just keep hoping that the t-shirts will just appear from somewhere. I don't think it's going to happen, but anyway. All right, so. I know. Um, yeah, okay. What's wrong? Nothing. What? No, nothing. No, we don't get, blurt. Oh, I was going to say not... we should get T-shirts, but <laughs> we're all so fucking time poor. I know. Uh, so I'm, this is like a, sort of a two-parter um, because I'm going to go back to the original Lockard and then there's a second okay. incident that happened in Lockard. So Lockard was originally just a ship. It was a clipper ship. Kirsten, I know you're sick of me doing ship stories. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stop with the ship stories. <laughs> uh, its name was drawn from Lochard in, in Scotland. Lochard. Lochard. Uh, the name means High Lake in Scottish Gaelic. And it belongs to a major shipping line that was operating between Great Britain and Australia. So the Lochard had three masts. It was 263 feet long and it left England on the 1st of March, 1878, coming here to Melbourne. Mm. On board the Lockhart were Captain Gibb, a crew of 37 men, 17 passengers. So there was a total of 54 people on board. Mm-hmm. Three months the journey took. And then on the 1st of June, the ship was approaching Melbourne. But it was um, bad weather, heavy fog, and they couldn't see the land from just outside of Melbourne. They were looking for the Cape Otway Lighthouse. Uh, Just a little side note, the Cape Otway Lighthouse is still there. It's the oldest surviving lighthouse on mainland Australia, and it's a very big tourist attraction down on the Great Ocean Mm -hmm. Road. Uh, The lighthouse was built in 1848, which was 30 years before this Lockhart incident, and it was known as the Beacon of Hope. So they were looking and looking for it. They couldn't even see the lighthouse. Lighthouses are terrifying. They are a bit, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what about it. They're creepy. Mm. 
You should do a thing on lighthouses. I bet there's been a death in a lighthouse. Writing a note. Write that down. (laughs) Uh, Yes, the beacon of hope. So for lots and lots of people who come to Australia, that was the first thing they saw of Australia. So it's a really important landmark. So the Lockhart was having some, for those days, technical issues. It's chronometer. What is a technical issue in a lighthouse? Just get another globe. No, the ship, the ship. Their chronometers were faulty. So a chronometer is a timepiece and it's used to determine where the ship is using the planet. So it's it's kind of the, their Google Maps of the day. Okay. So the chronometer wasn't working properly. They couldn't work out exactly where they were. They couldn't see the beacon of hope. And the weather had been bad for days. The captain didn't know how close he was running to the coast. The fog lifted at four in the morning and they saw that they were really close to a cliff face there. There were waves breaking all around of them. Uh, captain Gibb, Gibb ordered the, um, the sail to be set to get them clear of the coast. They couldn't do it fast enough. The ship ran aground on a reef. The masts and the rigging all came crashing down. Mm-hmm. It killed some of the people on the deck and there was a tangle of sails and masts and that meant that they couldn't get the lifeboats out properly. The Lockhart broke up on a reef off Muttonbird Island. And this is why sank. I don't go on boats. Well, that's back in the 1800s. I it's still hardly, don't. you know, I don't. princess cruises or something. I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy it. Do you get seasick? Do we have to have a Titanic moment or something here? I think we probably do. I just don't like being surrounded by water and yep, not being same. able to see land. Yeah, you're trapped like as well. Escape, right? yeah. yeah, you're stuck. Yep. There's no yep. escape. You're only, you've provided yourself with the land you're standing on the, and that's it. Yeah, you just got the boat area. There's another one you should do deaths on ships. No, we, you. You're just doing a, that. You, you do. You take the monopoly on deaths on ships. You, you do, do every monopoly. <laughs> because I've got a horror of it. I don't and when you play monopoly, you're probably like, "I'll take the ship." <laughs> got this. Is anyone taking the ship? Shotgun yeah. oh, the ship. It. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. So of the 54 people on board the ship, only two survived. See, your chances are not great. My tear here though. Oh. They were two 18-year-olds. Yeah. Eva Carmichael clung to a chicken coop. What? And a spa for five hours. Now, not a a spa. spa It's not a spa, yeah. No, it's a pole that was used in the rigging. Yeah. And Tom Pierce, who was the ship's apprentice, he clung to the overturned hull of a lifeboat. Mm. The waves swept them into a gorge land down on the coast. Uh, Tom came ashore first. And and then they got eaten by a shark or something. Yeah. No. He heard Eva shouting. So he went back in to rescue her. I want them to kiss, kiss, kiss. It's so romantic, isn't it? Was she on a door? She 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 found her lying on a door and then (laughs) she didn't move over to get Jack on. Wait, can we just talk about how annoyed people were in Titanic when Kate Winslet did not move over? There is room. I know. There's tons of room. And then people came out on science shows to prove if – they both could have yeah, been on the door. The if it could support the weight. Like there were scientific tests done to put people's minds at <laughs> yes, ease about could. what could have happened. What was the verdict? Could they? Could the door have supported Kate both ways? I yes. don't know. You keep talking. I'm going to look it up because I know that there were like people actually did this. We're pausing for this. We're oh. waiting for this. Oh, wait. Could okay. I'll drink my tea while it's happening. Jack's weight be... I bet it comes up before See? you... See? Yep. It comes up. It comes up. Could Jack's... <laughs> If you just write, could Jack, the first thing that comes up, it says, could Jack have fit on the door? <laughs> Immediately, people, and look at the look at the pictures. People yes. have done all the different ways they could have shared the door on there. 
<laughs> Could Jack have fit on the door in Titanic? In a 2012 episode of Mythbusters, the team determined that both Rose and Jack could have fit on the door and survived. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio to comment on that mm. and I want Kate Winslet to comment on it I wonder if they ever have the Has Avatar ever- director made an appearance in the episode but has since changed his tune and doubled down on the fact that Jack had to go <laughs> <laughs> it would not have fit the story well if Jack lived so Jack had he may have fit he had to go but he had to die had to go yeah oh. Oh, Dear. God. And the questions are so, why Jack couldn't have fit on the door? Was there enough room for Jack to fit on the door? There's so many questions. People were so fucked up by yeah. that part. So they were. That he died. I'm getting lightheaded thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Eva's clinging to her. <laughs> Dad, I can't stand Celine on singing. What? That heart goes on. My yeah. heart goes on. You're alone. I don't in, like in Thank else you. Such, she's a, yeah, she's amazing. She's incredible. Mm. Continue. I had a babysitter once who used to look after Bonnie who loved her. Yeah. Loved Celine Dion. But for some reason she hated Leanne Rhymes, the country singer. It was the most irrational <laughs> thing I've ever known. <laughs> What's the she link? Do I do yeah. It's like the most niche <laughs> hatred like, ever. What? She would just all of a sudden just start talking about Leanne Rhymes. And Leanne Rhymes wasn't even that famous in the country. She, but she just, for some reason, I think it was her squinty eyes or something. And as it turned out, Leanne Rhymes did turn out to be a bit of a bad egg because she took Brandy Glanville's hun- husband. Um, that's a whole. She did have, yeah. She, yeah, do you watch she, Housewives? No. Be- uh, Beverly Hills? Oh, live for it. But I know what you mean about Leanne Rhymes. Yeah, she, yeah something. Yeah. She's got fiend's eyes, as yeah. Grubby would say, my friend. Mm. All right, so Eve is clinging to a uh, chicken coop. Uh, Tom has made it to shore. She he's, uh, he has her calling, so he goes back in to rescue her. He drags her out. She's barely conscious, drags her into a cave. He then climbs up a cliff to try and find help. There was a, a an estate nearby, the Glen Ample estate, so he gets someone from there to come and help him. Um, so the place where they came mm. ashore is now known as Lockhart Gorge. You can go and visit it. Um, side note, but I can't help it because I love antiques. The cargo on the Lockhart included a whole range of luxury goods. So they were putting together the Royal Exhibition here in Melbourne and we've got the Royal Exhibition buildings that were built for it. And amongst all the things that were washed up on shore after the ship was wrecked was a huge porcelain peacock that was made by Minton in England um, back in 1880. So that still, you can still see the peacock. It was recovered. It was intact, even though it was made from China. Mm. Um, you can see it at the Flagstaff Hill Maritime ah. Museum in Warrnambool. Yeah, and there's a number of other relics from the wreck. They've even got a gold watch that was found in Eva Carmichael's clothing. Uh, no, sorry, her mother's clothing okay. because Eva Carmichael's mother drowned. So the story at the time became a worldwide sensation. Thousands of people sent letters and telegrams and everyone was thinking, just like me, they wanted t- Tom and Eva to marry. Like, come on. You but know, I feel like, like you're the same age. You've, it's so romantic. Yeah, just but then marry. you're left, like if you're them, you're like, Oh, what? So just because I went through that fucking traumatic moment with him, I meant to marry him. Whatever. All you yes. crap, you Do crappers. it, please. I don't know. I've never used the word crappers <laughs> in my life, but that just came out of my mouth because all you crappers want us to fall in love and have a love story. Well, they didn't. Okay, um, good. Good for them. There was also a little bit of a scandal because they apparently spent the night together on the beach and they're both 18 and it's mm. a young woman and a young man in those days. Oh. <gasps> 
Mm. I'm clutching my pearls. So they didn't marry. Uh, In fact, it is believed that they never saw each other again. She was considered to be, she was upper Mm. class and her father was a doctor and and Tom was was a a crapper. (laughs) (laughs) Tom was a ship's apprentice and so that was sort of a lowly kind of trade at the time. Mm. Uh, Tom was given a thousand pounds for his heroism and he was given the first ever gold medal that was struck by the Victorian Humane Society. Mm. He went back to working on ships and he died at sea at the age of 49 in 1920. Mm. Didn't learn his lesson. This no. is only like the preamble story. You're going to be so sick of hearing me talk. I know. Uh, so Eva lost her whole family in the wreck. Her parents, three sisters, two brothers, they all drowned and they're buried at the Lockhart gravesite. She was taken in by the Gibson family who owned that homestead, the Glenampole Estate. Mm. And then she went back to Ireland. She married Captain Thomas Achilles Townsend and she died at the age of 73 in 1930. 19- 34. But she was described in her later years, and I don't know if this is right, as a rather stern old trout who had firm convictions about things. So she sounds just like a nasty old cow. Opinionated. I mm. feel like trout, trout is definitely an offensive word mm. back then as well. Maybe. Still now, I wouldn't like to be called a trout. Yeah. Anyway, look, she apparently didn't speak about it, but there is one man who said he did speak to her once, and she said she felt as though they had absolutely nothing in common. So mm. this is where we get to the fun part that's not fun. The deaths of those 52 passengers were not the only deaths at Lockarge. In 1970, in the middle of winter... Sometime in the night, a car went over a cliff at the Lockhart Gorge. And it's a very, you know, it's it's cliffs and it's a very rugged part of the uh, coastline. When you said car, I was like, great, we're not on a ship. But now it's gone off a cliff. Does it go into the water? Mm, no. Back in the water. Oh, okay. But I think someone may have wanted it to go into the water, but it doesn't. Oh, okay. So inside this cliff that went over the Lockhart Gorge cliff were the bodies of Therese Crawford, sure. who was 35, mm-hmm. and her children, Catherine, 35. 13, James was eight and Karen was six and Therese was also pregnant. Mm-hmm. The car was registered to Elmer Kyle Crawford, husband of Therese and father to the children. Now, he'd been born in Canada in 1930. He grew up with his grandparents in Ireland. Mm-hmm. He emigrated to Australia in 1951. The family lived in Glenroy. So when police found the car, so someone found the car, called the cops, cops went to the home and they were able to piece together what had actually happened. So this Elmer Kyle Crawford had made an electrocution device. He got a 15-metre length of electrical lead and some alligator clips, and he attached the clips to his wife's ears. What? And to the webbing between her fingers while she was sleeping, and he electrocuted her. He then bashed six-year-old. Nope. He bashed six-year-old Karen to death with a hammer, mm. and that was found later in the car. Mm. He electrocuted both Catherine and James. He then wrapped their bodies in blankets and he loaded them into his Holden FE sedan, along with a motorbike, fuel cans, a rifle, and a hose. So he'd removed the back seat to make enough room for everything. Now, just bear in mind for the, if you're not from Melbourne, this is all happening at the family home in Glenroy, which is on one side of the city. Right. The car was eventually found at Lockhart Gorge, which is around about 200 k's away from their home. Right. So he drove the 200 kilometres to Lockhart Gorge off the shore of Port Campbell. He connected the hose, a hose from the exhaust to the driver's side window and then he pushed the car over the cliff edge. So he was trying to make it look like Therese mm-hmm. had killed the children and then committed oh, suicide. Okay, got you. 
and to make sure that he could push the car over the cliff, he'd even sort of made it and got some stones and made like a little uh, stone pathway oh. across a drainage diff. A ditch so that the vehicle would go over the cliff. But what he didn't bank on was that the car, when it went over the cliff, got stuck on a ledge about oh. 20 metres down from the top. What do you do then? He was expecting it to go into the water. Well, yes. he didn't realise. He what? thought he thought it, he just pushed it. And went. And went. Didn't realise it got caught. So he's back at the house. Okay. Um, they think he got back there on the motor scooter, which he put in the car mm-hmm. in order to do it. Now, why did he do it? They're not entirely sure, but he worked for the Victoria Racing Club. And two weeks before the murders, he and Therese had made new wills. That left a, quite a fortune to him uh, if his family died. And it was also believed he'd stolen some things from the racing club. Why do people change wheels and then kill people? Because it's very obvious. It is really yeah. obvious. Yeah. Motive yeah. is immediately there. Yeah. There has to be Bang. like a, a cooling off period of some sort, doesn't mm. there? They do that with medical things, don't they? Uh, another possibility is that they'd argued over her pregnancy, whether to terminate or not. There was a letter that she had started writing in which she said that she wasn't happy about being pregnant again. She said, I've been so upset, but what's the use? I'm two and a half months now, so it looks like I've had it this time. Police found that letter along with a newspaper article about abortion, so they'd mm. obviously been considering it. So by the time the police got to Elmer Crawford's home, he was gone. Okay. They could see that – so I'm guessing that he must have heard reports that the car had actually been found, whereas he thought it had never been seen again. Uh, they could see that he'd started trying to clean up the blood in the house. They saw that his alarm clock had been set for 2 a.m., so that must have been when he woke oh. up to carry out his plan. They spoke to neighbours. They said that the last time that they saw him was in his driveway – on the day that the car was found. So they launched a manhunt. It dragged on over the years. There was a coroner's inquest held the year after the deaths, July 1971. It found that Crawford murdered his wife and three children. He had not acted in a fit of rage, but other... Uh, rather after weeks of planning. Mm -hmm. There was a sighting of him reported in 1994 in Western Australia. A woman who knew him quite well said she saw a man in a a hotel in Bunbury. She was so convinced it was him that she asked him who he was and he said that he was a tourist from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And police checked that out, couldn't track him down. 2005 in San Angelo in Texas in the US, the body of a man was found and it was believed to be Elmer Crawford because this man had removed his fingerprints, oh. or he had or someone had. It obviously looked like an effort to conceal identity. But in 2010, which was five years after they found that body in Texas, a blood relative of Elmer Crawford yeah, gave I DNA. Say, DNA. That and, I was literally about to ask when yeah, they had his DNA. Well, that didn't happen until 2010, but they were able to prove that the body that they'd been holding in the, in the morgue in Texas yeah. was not Elmer Crawford. 2017, a truck driver by the name of Nugget, didn't need to put his name in, but I just love it. Nugget. 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 Nugget, yep. Nugget, right. He was living in WA again. This is the second sighting in WA. He said that he had come face to face with Elmer Crawford and he says he asked the man, where's your missus? And the man said she was long gone. And the man apparently said he came to Western Australia in 1970. Oh, Strange, the year they died. And when Nugget asked him why he decided to relocate, the man said, I had to leave in a hurry. I did something terrible. And Nugget says that's when the penny dropped and he put two and two together. And he said to the the man, aren't you that bloke the Victorian coppers were up there looking for a couple of weeks ago? Uh, He says the man's body language changed. His head dropped and his shoulders shrunk. 
The police investigated, but they came up with nothing. So a reward of $100,000 has been offered Mm -hmm. for information leading to his arrest. It still stands. So for almost 50 years now, Elmer Crawford, no, actually it's over 50 years, has been one of Australia's most wanted men. There hasn't been a single confirmed sighting of him anywhere. He would be 91 this year. And police still... 2020 was the most recent they spoke about the case. They said they still haven't given up hope of finding Elmer Crawford. Mm. No one knows where he is. He could still be alive, but I reckon he's died now. Mm. You would think so, 91. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's mm. a long time. Um, I have, I think in past, well, I don't think I know, in past episodes we've spoken about first responders taking photos yeah. at crash scenes and I came across this and I I think it's 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 very relevant. We know Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash, mm-hmm. um, and the governor of California has signed a new law called the Kobe Bryant Law, which makes it a crime for first responders to take unauthorized pictures of a dead person at an accident scene, because his widow uh, Vanessa Bryant is suing because that happened. Oh, so, really? To Kobe Bryant, yes. Um, she oh. filed a lawsuit against the LA County Sheriff's Office over the alleged accident photo scandal she's suing for negligence invasion of privacy and intentional infliction of emotional distress Mm. and of course he was killed alongside his 13 year old daughter so i don't know that's so offensive yeah Yeah. so they've signed this measure in which actually took uh effect on january 1st and first responders can no longer obviously it's illegal to take photos Um, we have so much feedback. Righto, let's jump into it. It's a smorgasbord. It is. It's a smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. You've outdone yourself with your feedback. Thank you, everyone. Yes. You can send it via the email. Something weird has happened with the email. It's and they have to. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's not supported by my browser or something, no. and I now have to open it with that HTML. Oh, thing. I hate that. It's like I'm I back in the that. 1980s. Mm. It's so fascinating. Um, but yeah, please email or um, via the Facebook page, whatever you like. I'm going to go with Remy's feedback first. Oh, yes. I've just remembered there was one email that had photos which I need to print. Yep. Okay. Um, so from Remy, she says, Chanel, Dee and Kirsten, nice things, nice things. I'm at work listening and I've had to stop what I'm doing to write this email. Firstly, I love the podcast and have listened since the very beginning. I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I listened to the first episode back in mid-2018. That's very sweet. I also recommend your podcast to anyone who asks what I'm listening to and yours is one of the ones I look forward to every week. Sorry, we went fortnightly. I love the dynamic between all of you um, and find your bluntness hilarious and I really appreciate it. I can especially relate to you, Chanel. I'm a 28-year-old mixed Asian European Australian girl myself, which leads to my main point the accents she puts in capitals. Okay. I do think it's problematic and I think the reason is simple. And I I think Dee and I spoke about this email. She's so articulate and the way she puts this is... Oh, yeah. yeah like I, I've she, seen the email yeah. and I um, yeah, appreciate her... The way she expresses herself. Correct. I do think it's problematic and I think the reason is simple. As much as we like to think Australia is a multicultural country, there's still a lot of racism or cultural insensitivity and accents have always been a cheap and ignorant way to make fun of any person of colour, to make them feel different or othered. Dee Dee, I love you, but unfortunately as a white woman, you really don't get to decide if it's inappropriate or not. That's also the difference between doing a German or Irish accent, for example, and say an Indian and Chinese accent. 
Europeans haven't been targeted in the same way that Asians or other minorities have. Hopefully this is not too political, but as a racially ambiguous person of colour with a white mother, I think it's important to have these discussions and bring this sort of awareness to people who otherwise would have never encountered these experiences. Your pod is seriously one of my favourites in the history of ever. I love the banter and the tangents and obviously the whole dead bodies part too. I hope you keep going forever and no episode is ever too long. Heart, heart, heart. Remy, P.S. No actual dead body stories to share. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't that the perfect example of... I love her. A, mm. it, so do I. I love her. Of how to have a discussion without squall- uh, yelling and yeah. screaming and attacking and insulting. Yeah, and... absolutely. It's an open and honest discussion and I really like that. And I am delighted that yes. she felt comfortable enough uh, with us yeah, to, yeah, to express, express herself yeah. in that way. And I to- and you know she says I can especially relate to you Chanel I'm a 20-year-old you know and obviously I'm I'm reading into this that she I'm just going to say how I would say it about myself I I'm white right so and people don't realize that my mum's Sri Lankan and sometimes people say things and they think that I'm not Yes. I don't have – I'm trying to express yeah, you don't this have... in a way that's not offensive to anyone. Yes, like, and, and I've had it when people have gone, oh, you're just another white person that works on the news. And then I'm like, well, actually, my mum's Sri Lankan and my dad's Maltese yeah. and I'm a first-generation Australian. So. Yeah, but that's, that's a perfect example. You should never, first of all, assume what yes. a person's heritage is or yes. their, their ethnicity is yes. because we've all got a bit of this and a bit of that in it. So I know how she feels because I think people will probably be racist in front of her thinking that she's just a white person that's going to go along with it. And then you're mm. like, actually, yeah. hold on a second. I'm racially ambiguous and you know, I, I, I totally get that. It's, um, uh, and this is not a, a fair to have a full discussion because Remy is not here to, to argue the point. And, yes. I, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really happy she expressed herself. But I, just, yeah. I do disagree a little bit. I think sure. it's what you say. And I object very strongly and I wouldn't ever yes. use an accent to attack or belittle or yes. make fun. And you'll notice I haven't done that. If yes. I've ever done an accent and if I do an accent yes. and I – will continue to do so it's because i'm doing mimicking whoever the person is i wouldn't do it as a tool to make fun of them if you know what i mean yeah. and i do think yes definitely people of color there are you know you there's stereotypical chinese mm-hmm. things and indian things and there's stuff people do yeah but there is also as, as a child who grew up at a school as a as a dirty pom mm. you don't take a bath married to an irishman well you're all drunk and yeah. you're all stupid think of the last irish joke you heard yeah, there yeah. are stereotypes that happen with people that aren't of color of, of all nationalities all countries everyone there's nasty mm. um things that you can do and mimic and make fun of and i don't subscribe to that and i don't agree with it and i find it a deeply offensive but i think doing an accent mm. if you're just being in character if you know what I mean and that's the way that I do it on this podcast I I can't see that that is wrong yeah Um, and I'm not dismissing what you say Remy and I'm very very happy to hear what you say and I am sensitive to the fact that Mm. there is a possibility for offense but I would never do an accent to attack or to offend or demean yeah 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 Yeah. I'm doing it for fun and for you know, I'm being the character. It's like when we crack into our Midwestern, yeah. don't blow your nose on the baby. Uh, yeah, you know, know. Like that's yeah. that's not offensive. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. to me, yeah. all accents because I see everyone in the world mm. the same. I don't. I actually, I don't see the color. It's like I said to you with Megan. I actually didn't. I didn't see, and I. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't see the color. Yeah, yeah. And I know I don't understand it because my I yeah. don't. I am not a 
POC, person of colour, and I yeah. know it's different for me, mm. but I also don't judge. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Remy. Yeah, I love, I, I, yeah. I love that she wrote oh, it. I love, and that I, I I love, love the it. way that she did it, and I think yep. – that she, she's a very, very articulate 28-year-old. So I appreciate that too. Mm. And thank you for listening, Rumi. And thank you. But now, do you want one from me? A, a yeah. Feedback? We've got it. They're all laid out on the floor. I took a photo of it. Because, oh, yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Uh, Danny got here super early to just set it all no, aside. No, early. I was late. <laughs> I, let's, let's be, I, I was late. late. Yeah. It's right. fine. <laughs> I've just gone random one. This one's from Brianna. Hey, ladies. I've been a long-time listener since the beginning when I might have been in my last year of school. Nice yeah. things, nice things. I have a dead body story. It's a little sad, though. Oh, I'm okay. You'll have to find a fun one to go after this. All I've right. got fun ones. So Brianna says, I went to PNG in 2019 for three months, mm-hmm. hiking through rural villages, giving medical aid and vaccinating babies. Oh, Wow, good on you. Uh, A woman had heard about us being there 10 hours after she'd given birth to a baby and she hiked four hours to see us. Her baby had been born without an anus. Oh, I've heard of this happening. Oh, now, I did actually, yeah, I Googled this one because I wasn't sure. Okay, yes. Uh, So according to the Cincinnati Children's Hospital and my Googles, about one out of every 5,000 babies has an imperforate anus or other malformation of the anus or rectum. Yes. The condition develops in the womb early in the pregnancy and the cause is unknown. It's a very serious problem, a condition that requires immediate treatment. Most babies need surgery to repair the defect. Yes, yes. Wow. How have you heard of it, I wonder? I feel like I saw a documentary or something on a child that Gosh. was born this way and it was like the, the medical journey of how they rectified it yeah. and they did. Isn't that amazing? So yeah. if you're in a hospital, obviously that can be done immediately. Yes, definitely. Uh, so back to Brianna's email. Well, she say says, it's so there, aren't you? No. Last time I let you touch me yeah. <laughs> in that way. Uh, so the baby had no way to excrete waste. The only yeah. way it could excrete feces was through the mouth. Oh, poor baby. Aww. We tried to do what we could, but with the limited supplies, there wasn't much we could do. The baby sadly passed away four hours later. Mm. There's no way to know if there was any pain in the process, but I can't imagine it was pleasant. I was only 18 at the time, so it was hard to justify what had happened. Oh, Even God. now, it's hard to believe everything happens for a reason mm. with shit like this. Literally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I will leave the existentialism for another time. Eagerly yeah. waiting for merch. Oh, no, not you too. Thank you. <laughs> Love the show, Bree. Wow, Brianna, firstly, you're an actual angel doing yeah. that sort of work in the first place. And how difficult to go through that when you're 18. Yeah. That's so young. Um, I've got a few. One from Donna, DD Chanel and Kirsty. Oh, I get that all the time. That's <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I get Kristen, Kirsten, <laughs> Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the Americans that do, like yeah. Kirsten. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's spelt the same, but whatever. I respond to anything, so that's fine. I have had a lot of people, because I've recently changed roles at work and I, I do politics now. Oh, can I just say something? I thought I was so worried you are going to change your surname to Nicholas's last name because I can't memorise it and I can't oh, do it. Oh, no, I... You I, don't need to do it I, I didn't. I'm still... It's really long. I'm still... It's Kutrigaros. It's too hard. It's very I, Greek. It's very Greek. And I must say that our um, presenter, when I came back to work, he came up to me and he said can I ask you your new surname? And I said, oh, no, you don't need to worry about it. It's staying as Vela for the news. It's fine. And he said, oh, I, you know, I, I could pronounce it if you needed me to. Like he was oh, very – he wanted to assure oh, me that he would be able to say it. Um, 
But yes, staying as Bella. Um, just listen to today's episode, and this is the one about my boobs. Um, mm. That was such an important message. Thank you, Chanel, for talking so candidly about something so private. So please, the results were negative. There are a couple of other ones here about the same episode, so I might just yeah, do them. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. lots of lovely boob messages. Yes, lots of mm. boob messages from Jason. You were all too wonderful. I lost my sister four years ago mm. after 13 years of breast cancer. <sighs> I was so overwhelmed with check your boobs. Unsurprisingly, men are slightly less to get breast cancer. Many of my mates who are listening to your podcast have urged their partners, sisters, mothers, and male friends Good to boys. get checked. Yes, yeah. Boys yeah. can get breast cancer as well. Um, he says, I miss my sister a lot. I'm mm. sure others um, won't because of all three of you creating awareness. Love you from the bottom of my heart. Check your boobs. Check your Kieran boobs. checked mine this morning. Oh, Kieran, what's well, the first time we slept together for a while? Because I had a cold, and he slept in the spare room, and it was making me so sad. Kirsten knows this because I've been banging on, banging on about it every day. It's I wanted him to come back, and he wouldn't come back. I force Nicholas to come to bed when I go to bed. I oh. force him. Wife go, card, yeah. <laughs> even before wife card, I was like, "I'm going to bed. You're coming." Because I can't sleep unless he's there. And so he's oh, like, "But I want to okay. watch an episode of Superstore," and I'm like, "Well, we just watch it." In the room. Well, see, I want to go to bed and fall asleep before Kieran is there. But when he came back into the bed, it took quite a bit of work to get him in there. Yes. Uh, I I changed to the fluffy doona. I said, there's fresh sheets. There's everything done. Yes, you were luring him into your nest. I'm sad. Yes. Mm. And got him in there and he came to bed at the same time I did. And then he falls asleep, bang, like you, straight away. Bang, I'm out. Bang. I lay there, terrified to go to sleep in case I snored. And he woke up and heard it and left the bed again. I didn't want to be sad. So did again. you sleep? I got so little sleep. Oh that was my on Thursday goodness. night. Friday I was a wreck. Yep. Friday no. I was a wreck. <laughs> um, from Carol, thank you, ladies, for the important conversation. Read boobs. I'm so glad you're okay, Chanel, and I know exactly what you've gone through. I have dense boobs and had my first lump removed 21 years ago. Mm. Ever since, I've had to check. Uh, annually with both mammo and ultrasound and each time the anticipation of finding something terrifies me i'm such a chicken you're not that's quite normal i would be terrified also i teared up listening to you all chat so honestly as i recalled my own similar experiences but i also laughed along at times because of your great senses of humor i really felt like i was the fourth girlfriend i don't mean that in a needy creepy way and she did a wink Cute. Given this has been a part of my life for a couple of decades, and from now on, I will channel you, Chanel, and tell myself to just get it done instead of my preferred runaway and ignore approach. Yes, I love it. If I can help one person, just go and just get the shit done, and then you move on. Um, incidentally, a girlfriend of mine was diagnosed some 15 years ago with a cluster of three types of breast cancer mm. in the one spot. She probably shouldn't be here, but after a successful surgery and reconstruction, she's gone on to live a great life and is an example of the amazing work our medicos are doing. Mm. Um and yes, early detection is the key. Just get it done. Thank you all for being so personal and honest. It has really helped. In fact, next time I'm in for my checkup, I think I'll replay the podcast to give me an extra bit of courage and a better attitude. Best regards and good health, Carol. I love when we're getting feedback that we're making differences. Yeah, I know. Like that's, I was not expecting that. I was that. getting shivers reading it, to be honest. I was mostly just expecting, I love that feeling yeah. when, when you're into something and people go, oh, I love that too. Like, that's a lovely feeling. And that's what I was expecting. Oh, well, I like looking at pictures of dead bodies. Oh, so do I. But then we're now getting this making a different stuff. And it's so I know. It's really nice. Check your boobs. I love check your boobs. Check your boobs. Check your boobs. Um, there's... 
another one from Amanda sending all my love to Chanel and huge gratitude for sharing her story. Same with Kirsten and sending healing vibes to Dee Dee as well for her family stuff too. Nice things, nice things and love, love, love the wedding photos and ding, 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 Terry Bell at Chanel. No and yes, I never touch the handrails. Yes. Escalators? Yes. I always leave a few steps and a few more for a pram, and I always keep left on escalators. Yes. Yeah, good. That's good, See? Edgar. Thank you. Thank mm. you. Mm. How long are we? 48. I reckon leave it there. Yeah. I can give you a story. I've got another want... story. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Can I do have someone's pen? Yes. Please. Yes. Thank you, Dee Dee. We, we're you not know. signing off. Just leave it there. Will you... um, no, we'll sign off. All right, I'm still Maybe. rolling. Um, Go on, then. I just want to tell you what's good to watch, uh, but I've forgotten its name. It's on Netflix. It's called This is a Robbery. Yeah. The World's Greatest Art Heist. Oh, about, I've heard about this. It's a, a, um, eating a mandarin. It's a really stupid thing to do at this time because it's making my mm. mouth water. Um, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. And it, uh, Boston. there was a, a well, they, said, they say coffee. It's so good listening to them I speak. I love that, yeah. Boston Cops is one of my favourite things in the whole yeah. world. The Boston Cops are looking at stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, they, yeah, so all this art gets stolen and it looks like it's an inside job. It's a documentary. Right. It's okay. amazing. amazing. Um, Loved it. I've got two podcasts to recommend. No one dies in either of them, but they're just good podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, one is called The Sure Thing. Oh, it's great. It is about some fraudsters uh, in Australia. It's really, really great. I love it. And can I just side note on the sure thing? It was recommended to me because my voice is in it, (gasps) because I did court stories on these people. And that is not the reason why I'm recommending it. So I'm raving about this podcast (laughs) and I'm raving and... It was recommended to me because I'm in it. Yeah, but it's not the reason I'm recommending it. <laughs> yeah. So right. I don't because I don't want yep. people to listen to it and be, right, be like, on. "This silly bitch just recommended it because she in it." I and had no idea it was in. I was in it. Chanel has an ego the size no, of the I don't. fucking moon. <laughs> I, and yeah. again, me, me, me. Look at me. Listen oh, to me. I had, I'm so good. I had no idea I was in it. I was never told I was in it by the people that made it. Um, right. Someone listened to it and then said. Oh, do you know you're in this podcast? Gotcha. Actually, it's also a great podcast. So Got it. when I recommend it, yep. The other one is uh, Who the Hell is Hamish? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Really good podcast. Yep. Again, um, about a fraudster. Yep. Yeah. I love those ones. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really so good. Yeah. Lately? No. I'm a bit dry of pods. At I least. was dry on pods for a mm. while, but I'm back. Yeah. Good. No. Nothing new for me. <coughs> Mandarin burned to the back of the throat. The end. You know how it does that. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.